This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information at Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, so in case you're new around here, very first book, 22nd chapter. This is a year of consecration, and so we'll be talking about this quite a bit over the year. It's what God is working in our hearts. Every year I try to seek out what it is that the Lord would have us to do. This is the... This is the uh, Direction the Lord kind of prompted me and, and um, showing us that, you know, this is a process of consecration. All of life, really, for a Christian is a process of consecration. Our, our, our life really is about discipleship. If you love Jesus, then this whole idea of, of consecration is to be devoted, to be hallowed, to be sacred, to, be, uh, to, to have your life be turned over for the special use of the Master. And so um, it's a process. When you first come to the Lord, it, it, it takes a while for you to get into the process, but you find yourself becoming less and less in control of your life. And the Lord is more and more in control of your life. So let's, let's take a look at this in Genesis chapter 3. Where, where really, I want you to pay attention to Isaac, who is really the metaphor, the, the symbol of our our consecration, and although oftentimes we read this passage, we think about Abraham and the great faith it took to do this, but we're looking here at at the life of Isaac as a template for our consecration. Um, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 says, Sometime later God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, And go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I go, while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Father, would you be with us today as we look into your word? Would you challenge us and reveal to us your purpose in our life, and would you show us, Lord, what you are working in us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the consecrated life is a result of the promise. We think about this, what's happening here. Isaac, or Abraham is... is called to give up Isaac on the altar. That's especially uh, painful for Abraham because everything that is, has to do with uh, Abraham and his future and his call of God is to flow through Isaac. So everything that will happen in the future flows through Isaac. So it's almost invariably that when you preach on this or that there's parents that are really disturbed by this child sacrifice image here and so... I just want to let you know the end of the story is that he doesn't get sacrificed, okay? So don't panic. But there's a certain bit of surrender that has to go on here because Abraham has to... Remember, Abraham and Sarah are, are uh, childless. 
or barren. God waits until Abraham's 100 years old before, you know, talk about wait the last minute, 100 years old until he, he has a baby. And now, uh, now Abraham is 100 and maybe 15 years old, and he is walking with his son Isaac, who he's come to know and come to love, and he's no longer just a promise, an ethereal promise that he can't wrap his head around. Now he knows him, he has a face, he has a, uh, has a personality, and, uh, and so I'm sure they've bonded together as father and son, and they've connected in such a, a loving way. And now God says to Abraham, you know, notice in verse 1 it says, and God tested Abraham. So this is a test. Uh, we know that. Abraham doesn't know that. But So God challenges him, I want you to go take your son Isaac and I want you to sacrifice him to me. For, for uh, Abraham to do this is, is quite the uh, step of faith and, and we, could spend, we could preach a sermon here on the faith of Abraham for him to do that. But what's, what we're looking at today is the idea of consecration. And the idea of consecration is the the, the life that is, has been called to a special purpose. Everything that, every promise that God would give to, to Abraham has to flow out through Isaac. So that promise comes through to, to Abraham. Like in Genesis chapter 12, we, we read about how God will make Abraham a, a father of many nations and he will <coughs> make his name great and he will, he will uh, raise up... Uh, he, he, everybody who blesses him will be blessed, and everyone who curses him will be cursed, and that the entirety of the human race will be blessed because of the fruit of Abraham. Now, now that we know that that fulfills itself all the way through Christ. Without Isaac's uh, being a fulfillment of that promise, there is no Christ. So right, in the, right at the very beginning of this is the threat to the, to the, through the, uh, the lineage of Jesus. And so... If we look at this, everything, it's a, it's a pinch point, it's a hinge point. Everything uh, comes on Isaac. And so God says, I want you to take your promise, take the promise that I promised that I would give you, the promise that you love so much, the thing that I promised that I would give to you and I gave to you, and now it's yours and, it's, and you feel like it's really yours and yours to hold on to, I want you to give it up. And I want you to give it back to me. I want you to lay back down the thing that I promised you. I want you to lay back down the thing that I gave you and lay that child on the altar. That's a difficult thing for Abraham to do. But we see Isaac, kind of like a believer, Isaac, we, Isaac is representative of who we are. You see, Isaac is the, has been born again of the promise, like we have. Isaac was, didn't exist, but then God made a promise, and because of the special divine promise, Isaac exists. In the same way, you were dead in your sin, and God gave you the promise of eternal life. You believe the promise of eternal life, and because of the promise, you are a child of the promise. You are the fulfillment of the promise. You've been born again of an eternal seed. You've been born again of an imperishable seed. You've been born again. Your, 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 your life went from death to resurrection. You've gone from darkness to light. You've been transformed. You are the product of the promise. And so Isaac is the product of the promise. And what we're, what we're looking at here is Isaac walking to the place where he's going to have to lay himself down. He's carrying his own load. He's walking with, him, with, with, with his father there, but walking to, to lay his life down. Everything hinges on Isaac. He's integral to the future of the promise of God. And yet, 
What's required for this to happen is that he has to lay his life down. In the same way that's the word of the Lord to us. That we have to consecrate our lives so they no longer feel like our own. Remember when you first came to the Lord and people, you know, the preacher would get up here and tell you what to do. And you would say in your heart, probably not out loud, maybe in the car with, to your wife on the way home, who does he think he is telling me what I should do? It's my life. I'll do what I want to. Right? It's my life. I can do with my life what I want to. And you believe that for a while. You were saved. You were on your way to heaven. You believed that it was your life and you were responsible for it. And then you began to walk with the Lord and you realized you had less and less control over your life, right? And then you started reading things like when the Apostle Paul says that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And you, you read things like uh, that, that our life is not our own. It is hidden with Christ in God. Or that our life is not our own, therefore everything we do with our body has to be surrendered to God because we're totally given over to consecration. This is the process of every disciple of Jesus. Everybody, everybody who has a serious relationship with Jesus, you're going to find yourself in the process of walking to your own altar. You are walking yourself. Now you may be slow walking it. You ever get the slow walk, you know? You, you hand the lady at the Walmart the thing and there's no sticker on it. And she's like, well, I'll go find it. And then she disappeared for 20 minutes. You don't know what happened to her. She's back on a smoke break or whatever. She comes back later and she got the, you know, she's been slow walking it. You know, you, you know what a slow walk is, right? Everybody know what a slow walk is? Slow walk is when somebody doesn't really want to do it. So maybe you don't really want to go to the altar and you're slow walking, foot dragging your way to, oh, all the way to the, you know, all the way to the altar. But you're getting there. You will get there. God's purpose is to get you there. Because you need, in the words of John the Baptist, you need more of him and less of... Look at your neighbor and say, less of you. Less of you. Little less of you. Right? Little less of you, little more of him. Right? How much better would your marriage be if there was a little more of him and a little less of you? How much better would your parenting skills be if there was a little more of him and a little less of you? How much more would your, your faithfulness to your job be if there was a little more of him a little less of you. And you know, you get, you get the point there that, we, that you're pretty much useless. Okay, so I... <laughs> and that's what God's trying to get us to show. To, to show us that. He's trying to bring us to that place where we get to that place where we realize I need more of him and less of me. And so we're, Isaac is slow walking his way to the, to the place where he's going to lay down. He doesn't know. This is... This is a disturbing part of the story, the next little bit. It says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering. Now, first of all, by the way, let's talk about Abraham's faith. Abraham, you notice he says to his servants, You've, you guys wait here. Me and the boy will go over there and worship. And then you notice the next line says, And we will return to you. We will return to you. The New Testament tells us that Abraham was offered up Isaac, but his offering of Isaac up on the altar was 
was to be, uh, uh, was with faith believing that God would raise Isaac from the dead. Because, because Abraham knew, I can't be who I'm supposed to be. I can't do what I'm supposed to do. The promise can't come to pass unless the boy comes back with me. So the only way that he could figure out that God would do it is that he would raise him from the dead. So now he, he says, it says here that he takes the knife and the wood and they go off to the place and he places it on, him, on his son Isaac. Now the boy is carrying the, his own firewood up to the altar. Ever think you might be carrying your own firewood up to your altar? As the two of them went on together, it says, Isaac spoke up and he said to his father, Father, yes, my son. The fire and the wood are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Look at your neighbor and say, awkward. Awkward. Uh... The Lord will provide, son. The Lord will provide a lamb. The Lord will provide a lamb. The two of them went on together, and when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there, arranged the wood on it, and then he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy and do not do anything to him now that I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, the Lord will provide. Our lives are like Isaac's life, destined to climb on the altar. Our lives are like Isaac's life. We, when we think about Romans chapter 12, he, the reasonable sacrifice, this is your reasonable sacrifice, he says, to lay your life down as a living sacrifice. Lay your life down, that's the reasonable, for every believer, that's the reasonable sacrifice, to lay ourselves down. And that, that means that, that even though we may belong to people, you know, I belong to my wife, I belong to my kids, I belong to my job, I belong, but even though other people have their name on, really I am the Lord's. Ultimately you are the Lord's. As a believer, you belong to him and all these other people. And God really is the one who, God can change your direction in your life in a quick hurry. With a, with, with a, a change of your business, a change of your address, a change of your financial circumstance. God can change your life in a quick hurry. And so when we, when we are in this place, we, we're looking at Isaac, we're seeing him go head up to this place and we're thinking to ourselves, this is crazy. He doesn't even realize this is, what doing, this is what's going on, but that's the way we are. We don't even realize that God is bringing us to the point where we have to lay it all, our future, our present, our past, 
Everything who we are, every dream, every vision, every ministry, every job, every business, everything that we have has to be laid on the altar of God. The only way we can get out of this life as a, as a the person who belongs to the Lord is that everything is laid down. And so a lot of times the things that we're going through in our life are just bringing us graciously, God is bringing us torturously to the place where we will say, take it all. Take everything I have. Take all that I am. We talk, you know, about giving around here, you know. We talk about the tithe, the tenth. When you give a tenth, do you know what that says? It doesn't say, here, Lord, I'm giving you 10%. I remember my first tithe check was $9 in some sense. I made $100 that week. Preacher was preaching on tithing. Not $100, I made $90. A math challenge, pray for me. And so, so I wrote $9 in some odd sense. I mean, I, to, the, to the very penny, one-tenth, you know. Then I said, God, you're going to have to help me. I'm giving up $9. I remember that. I remember that. Now, it wouldn't even phase me to do without $9, to give up $9. You know? But at the time, it was big doings. Why? Because God was working something in me. God don't need my $9. He needs my heart. It's just that I didn't really even realize the 9 bucks that I had $9 worth of clutter in my heart. We, my, my wife found this thing. I don't know if maybe you have one of these. It's called the drain weasel. Anybody have the drain weasel? This thing is awesome. She's been complaining, well, you know, the, the tub is slow and, you know, it's draining slow. And I'm like, hey, babe, you know, I'll get to it. Any husbands in here say you get to it and then you don't get to it for a while? So the other day I see her there and she's got this thing. She's putting this the drain weasel together, and she sticks it down into our pipe, like from the bathtub. And now, now I'm there because I feel guilty. She's plumbing, you know. <laughs> so now I show up. <clears throat> so I show up there, and I'm like, what are you doing? I got this thing. It's called the drain weasel. I can do this myself. <laughs> yeah, see la. Think about that. Feel guilty about that, Pastor Dave. Yeah, so she puts it in there. It's got a little handle, a little crank. You crank it around like this. She pulls it out, and it's like you're fishing. You pull, and it's got it pulls out, and this chunk of hair on the end of it. It's got like little Velcro something or other down there, and it grabs a hold of the hair. She pulls it up, and this thing, honest to God, this thing was ginormous. It was like a rat. <laughs> She's pulling this out. It's it was. This big. Honestly, this big. And uh, I'm like, oh, babe, you must be going bald, you know. <laughs> but, and thankfully, my wife is now a plumber, so I'll give you her number. You can give her a call. No, but, uh, so she pulled that thing out, and now the drain runs free and clear. And uh, I say all that to say this. I didn't even know the drain was slow. I don't look down at the drain. I just shampoo, get in there, get out of there, and you know, if it's got a little water in there, it's draining slowly. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Same way with my heart. 
Sometimes there's a clog this big in my heart. Actually, there was a clog in my heart, wasn't there? That was about two years ago. And they fixed that too. I guess I'm all clogged up is what I'm trying to tell you. We as human beings have these things that we don't even know are happening. If they happen unbeknownst to us in our body, how much more in our spirit? If they happen in our plumbing, how much more in our spirit? So we don't even realize the free flow of the Holy Spirit has been bottlenecked down to a small trickle because of something that's on the inside. And the only way to get that out is you've got to lay it down on the altar. The altar is God's drain weasel for our heart. It helps us to lay stuff down. And so we lay it down. And so whenever you go through a difficulty, remember Abraham, or God tested Abraham. That's how it starts off. God tested Abraham. The, the, the test is to find out, are we willing to lay down every dream, everything that we have, and give it over to God? Scary. But when I first started taking this seriously, I thought to myself, if I pray this prayer, I don't know what's going to happen. God may say, I want you to move to some dark corner of the jungle and be a missionary there. And at the time, I was like, I, I don't want to be a missionary. I, want, I wanted to be a rock and roll star. I, that's what I wanted to be. That's all I want. So, so to me, that, I, there was no, I didn't want to go live in the deepest, darkest jungles. I didn't want to go live in obscurity. I didn't want to do that. There was nothing about that that enticed me to that. If I say yes to God, He could do that. It was a hard decision. The more serious you take it, the more you know you're really getting it. If it doesn't scare you, then you don't really understand surrender. I mean, God... Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? You understand that if you're fully consecrated to the Lord, He could say, I want you to take your 401k that you've been saving your entire life and give that away. I have a hard time if God says, hey, that last 10 bucks you got in your pocket, give that away. I have a hard time, I'm like, Lord, that's my $10. Give it to that guy. That guy don't even got a job. Why do I want to? He doesn't even working. He's not even a Christian. I don't even know what he's going to spend my ten dollars on. I can give you five hundred reasons, Lord, why I should not give my ten dollars to that guy. There's only one reason. God doesn't need the ten dollars, and that guy might not even need the ten dollars. But you need to learn how to give the ten dollars. Oh, why is it that money is always so close to our heart? I don't know. To reach out and love and express love to people who to forgive. Forgiveness is another one. If you really lay it down, then you're going to have to let something go. Wow. I don't know. This consecration thing seems hard. It is. And it just gets harder and harder because every, every time the Lord just asks you for more and more. Why? Because He's greedy. He will not be happy until he has 100% of your heart. Now, you may be like Abraham and get it all back. No guarantees. You may be like Abraham. You may get it all back. He laid his whole promise down. His son, everything's flowing through this kid, Lord, I understand. And I'm sure, 
When you're 115 and you got to wrestle a 15-year-old to get him tied up and put him on the altar, I'm sure Abraham was tired. And when he raised that knife, I'm sure he was waiting for a voice from heaven. Yes, Lord, here I am. Don't touch that boy. Now I see that you really do fear God. That's the word. Wow. What a a horrible story of child abuse. But it represents for us the way we feel when God asks us to give it up. I'm your child, God. Why would you ask me to surrender that which you've provided for me? Well, I can get you another one. People talk a big game. You know, people, we're big. Oh, pastor, when I win the lotto, watch out, brother, I'm going to be showering the church with money. Yeah. The poor board and the treasurer are holding their breath in the other room, waiting for (laughs) one of you. Listen, if you can't tithe off your first hundred dollars, you'll never tithe off your first hundred thousand. You've got to be faithful in the little things before you can be faithful in the big things, right? It's hard. And it's not, you say, well, are you talking about money? Not at all. It's not about money. This is about heart. This is about that big, hairy clog in your heart to surrender to God. To surrender yourself to God. Consecrated life is, means that we're not the possession of anyone else. It means that God is solely our owner. And ultimately, that's what it means when we're giving and living for Him. We're saying, you're mine. I'm called by this name. I belong to these other people. But really, Lord, I really belong to You. I, you are the one that I totally belong to. Every gift, every purpose, every direction that You lead me, everything revolves around my total surrender to you. I give it to you. And then we put ourselves in the hands of God. And we let our vision die. This is so common that people writing leadership books have talked about how every vision needs to go through a death process. I think Frank DiMaggio was the first one who wrote that book. Every Vision has to die in order for it to be resurrected and have God's life in it. If your vision is so, big, is so small that you can do it, then it's probably not God's vision for your life. We're fighting to keep our life manageable. God is fighting against you to make your life unmanageable. Because when your life is unmanageable, then you throw yourself on the altar and say, okay, God, I give up. You've got to show me. And then God says, oh, this phone call, that changes everything. Or your boss comes in and says, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'll give you a raise. And you, some of you are going, yes, Lord. But when we're, when, we're on the, when we're on the altar, it's uncomfortable because we're laying everything that we've believed and trusted down. And God likes to push us all the way to the very limit of ourselves. Imagine the joy in Isaac's heart when he hears the bleeding of a ram in the bush. Uh, Pops, look over there. 
Oh, the Lord did provide on the mountain of the Lord. We have to get ourselves to the point. See, we, if we want the miraculous, if we want the things, answers to prayer, we've got to get ourselves to the point where we're willing to throw ourselves on the miraculous. doesn't mean we don't do responsible things. It means that we depend upon God more than anything else, that we throw ourselves completely on, that we say, Lord, my purpose is the purpose that you have for me. It's the only, it's not, too many Christians are saying, well, it's Sunday morning, Lord. Whatever you want from me from the next two and a half, two, two hours, hour and a half. And then I'll take back the reins in my life and uh, I can take it from here. And God's saying, no, I need, to, I need you to slide over let me drive for a while. And we find ourselves uncomfortable with that because that's the intention God wants to make us uncomfortable in. And consecration is living your life completely uncomfortable, living by faith, but not sure of where everything... See, we have this imagination that faith means, oh, I trust, I know that God is going to provide this way. You don't know. When you live by faith, you don't know. How's it going to happen? For 30-some years, we've been this close to going broke at this church. For 30-some years. Ask any of the board members. Will we make it another month? They're like, I, I don't know. If you ask me, I'll say, well, we made it all these months. You can learn from your past, but we don't. We still look at the bottom line going, we're 100 short. How big is your God? How big is your God? How great is your surrender? Can you bring yourself to the place where you totally give up ownership of the dream? You totally give up your agenda and just say, Lord, I am yours. All that I am, all that I'm not, everything. I give it to you. I trust you for the blank spaces. I trust you. I'll do the right thing and trust you and see if you will not come through for me. I believe God wants to speak that to our hearts this year. Bring us to the point of surrender. If you surrender quickly, the battle is shorter. Right? Right. <clears throat> Let yourself be taken captive. Surrender. I give up, Lord. It always cracks me up. They always ask people, what do you think 2018 is going to bring? Let me tell you the answer they should all say. I have no idea. They should all say, I have no idea. They're all wrong whenever they say anyway, most of them. So why do we try to figure it out? We're so busy manipulating our future. You know, pull back the curtains and we're like the guy, Oz, you know, the great and powerful Oz, or some guy pulling levers. Oh, this is... I'm running my life. Let go. Let God lead you. You can only do that when you're at the point of surrender. When you have at the point of surrender, you can say, God, you've got a problem down here. This life you gave me is starting to fall apart. That's the upside. The downside is you've got to keep the boy on the altar. You've got to keep the vision on the altar. You've got to keep the dream on the altar. You've got to keep your future on the altar. Let's pray.
Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it. You can contact us through our website, www.berwinag.org. Thank you, and God bless.